and welcome to the Dr. Squeeze Show podcast, featuring all the best bits from my radio show this week. Remember, if you want to listen in live and hear all the music which we have to cut out this podcast for rights reasons, please go to thebear.live every Thursday, 8pm till 10pm GMT. Thank you very much and enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the show with your friend and mine. So tell me, Dr. Squee, who's it gonna be this time? We like to hear you talk and we love to hear you listen. And if you are not subscribed, you won't know what you're missing. So welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. This is Paul Gross, and you're listening to The Bear. Thank you kindly. Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. I'm Dr. Squee, and this is my show. We have got another bumper-packed show for you tonight. Not only do we have my interview with previous mixed martial artist fighter, celebrity big brother winner, and actor... That's Alex Reed, but also we've got the gentleman rhymer, the hip hop artist, uh, the guy who travels the globe, bringing joy and whimsy to all. That's Professor Elemental, Professor Elemental, even. And before that, we've got the big question of the week, which this week centres around, because here in England, and I have been corrected on this, it's not the UK, it's England. Because we're coming out of lockdown uh, bit by bit, we are finally able to have some of our friends round or some of our family round we were able to uh, do the rule of six as they call it so we have five people who are allowed round so the big question of the week this week is what five people and we we made it celebrities living or dead or fictional characters would you like to have round because you know look it's lovely that you love your mum and your your sister and that that's great but like we want celebrities we want a bit of star fucking action okay i'll be honest with you but to talk about this i am joined by my lady by the Mrs. Squee. Please welcome Nicola Gosling. Or is it Mr. Nicola? Okay. Please welcome Mr. Nicola. Hello. Oh, Mr. Nicola. <laughs> I've got a question, though. And that is her real voice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's one you like. Um, I've got a question, though. Are you doing celebrities and famous people because you don't actually have five friends that you could pick to come round for tea? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I could have people around, but but like, yeah, what more fun is it than to have celebrities? This is a an interview show. This is where we speak to the celebrities. You haven't got five friends. Could you not speak when the microphone isn't towards you? You haven't got five friends. That's better. Thank you. <laughs> Mock me onto the microphone. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we've got got a few answers. So uh, our friends at Talking Cod's Wallet, which, by the way, if you stay tuned after this very show, Jem had me on as a special Easter guest, and we spoke about uh, the the true meaning of Easter, as told to me by James Stafford, the usual co-host of that show, who was absent. Uh, and honestly, it, his his story. So if you don't get enough of me through this show, which God knows you're probably getting too much, you can get a bit more afterwards on Talking Cod's Wallet. But Jem's answer was this. Mine are Kevin Smith, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, mm-hmm. Evan Peters to Pervon, fair enough, Albert Einstein, also to Pervon, she didn't write that, but I'm guessing, and David Attenborough. 
to perv on. Yeah. And she's but that's right, sausage party. Imagine the amazing conversation though. Yeah, but you know that Einstein, he is all about the poon. There you go. Sausage party. What more can you ask for? He did at least once hang out with Marilyn Monroe, I believe. I'm sure there was a, a, a thing where Marilyn Monroe and Einstein were at a party at the same time. I'm sure that's true. Either that or I've made it up. Or it may have been in a film. I'm sure that's a thing. I really do not... You haven't heard of it. doesn't mean it didn't happen. Anyway, look look, look it up after the show. So my five were... Actually, yeah, I put down my five. The 11th Doctor, because, you know, Doctor Who. Freddie Mercury, of course. Genius. Barack Obama. Kevin Smith also, as well as, uh, as, well as Jem there. And Supergirl, the DC TV version, because, you know, let's face it, her in that skirt. That's all I'm going to say. So not from the last series, from prior to that. And we don't all go for a jaunt in the Dog's Tardis, because I did also ask people what they would do with their uh, chosen celebrities. Oh, well, I just read a bit there that said that actually they might have had an affair. Apparently. Well, that's another story. That? Let's get back sorry, to the question. Sorry, everybody. So Alex uh, Whitley from the You Suck Podcast Network, he's put Zoe Deschanel, Katy Perry, Emily Blunt, and Siwan Morris. I don't know who Siwan is, but uh, I'm guessing there's a reason. I'm guessing she... nothing, not a sausage party. Yeah, I mean, he didn't put what he's going to be doing with them, but I could have a, a little stand up, which I'm guessing is what he would do. <laughs> so, uh, Catherine Tabner, my good friend, has put Miss Marple, Hercule Power, Hercule Poirot. John Barnaby, Midsummer, Chief Inspector Endeavor Morse, mm-hmm. and um, Sergeant Robbie Lewis. I would then wait to go to see who gets murdered. Oh, hold on. Oh. I'm there too. You see? You put the, yourself in the frame there. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, Pendulette says uh, he was on the talk show once, and he goes mm-hmm. like, hey, usually on this show you have loads of really intelligent people. Then you've got one dumbass, but like everyone here looks really intelligent. And the host just looked at him for a minute and goes, oh, oh it's me then, isn't it? <laughs> See, if you're around all those detectives, you're the murder victim. It's got to be. Papa Bear, Paul G is oh, put. I'm loving Barbara it. Windsor. Well, can we read it before Sorry. you love it? Sorry, I looked just, at them just, when there's I not a, There's that. not a which we do these things in. He's put Barbara Barbara Windsor, Hattie Jakes, Bernard Bleslaw, yeah. Sid James, and Joan Sims. What a carry-on that would be. Oh, I like it. Go for Kenneth Williams. That's interesting. Or... Um, Oh, what's his name? It's his five. Uh, Hawk, don't, Hawk. We don't heckle our people's Sorry. fives. I can heckle Paul. He doesn't mind. You don't heckle Paul. That's yeah, my um, job. Haw- oh, what's his name? I can't remember the other guy. Oh, I can't remember. Hawkeye Pierce? Any- who is that was Smash. Sort of like Hawthorne or something Anyway. Like uh, just an interesting story about that. That makes me laugh because my daughter's massive fan, always has been a carry-on since she was a little girl. And my dad, when she was a little, little girl, he bought her all the dvds right of carry on so she had the whole set and she'd be up there giggling and if i had friends or whatever they'd say to me what's she giggling at and every time i'd be like it's the bit where the her bikini the top comes off and the camping and they're doing the exercises and she just used to giggle at it yeah okay uh we got one to say quick i'm gonna have to go back to that one because uh, i've taken screenshots of these and i haven't featured all of it in so we'll get back to that one uh, Martin Croft, the pan man himself, previous guest of the show, has put Tom Jones, Elton John, Tony Hadley, John Bon Jovi and Suggs to s- collaborate on a new song for the pan man. Well, you know, with Tony Hadley, that much is true. Mm. Uh, that would be gold, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be gold. See what I did there. Yeah, uh, ben Gummery has winched because I put UK in the question. As I say, look, OK, fair enough. 
not Wales. Wales has its own rules as to Scotland and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Katie Millard-Starkey has put Dame Joan Plowright, Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Alan Atkins and uh, Diana Rigg. Afternoon tea, champagne and they get them to tell me some outrageous stories of their careers. And she did put post that that she knows Diana Riggs dead. We did say living or dead. Like if we're allowed yeah. fictional people, certainly allowed living or dead people. Yeah, and that is certainly a lady you'd want to bring back for your party. Well, Katie. I mean, she's a fine lady. Diana Rigg, why not? Not Katie. What? Katie's still with us. What? I'm talking about my friend Kate. Yeah, and I was talking about Diana Rigg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's keep going. So um, you said to take back with you. Anyway, never mind. My son Stuart has put Lindsay Sterling, Robert Downey Jr., Scott Johansson, uh, Tom Holland, and Grant Grant Gustin, TV's The Flash, to hang out with and talk about their careers. Okay. You see, that's brilliant. You can have them all talking about the superheroes. And Lindsay Sterling is an excellent uh, violinist. Um, mm. Wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, she could play in the background. Great. Friend Kate Weed. She's put Steven Tyler, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Pink, and Elon Musk. Ready? And uh, I haven't featured what she's doing with them, but yeah, good times. That's her business. That's her business. Okay, right. <laughs> Jeez. It's part of the question. Fred Rollins has put, I would like to do a roundtable discussion on the present state of the world and how it could be improved with Jesus Christ, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Bono, and uh, one other. Seymour? which What? It's Seymour of the post so someone else which I haven't featured there unfortunately um, you can't because I'm on uh, screenshot stop someone influential anyway look so obviously he's having a very highbrow conversation although Bono yeah, yeah. okay Kath Harper has put Gandalf for fireworks Doctor Who to take us somewhere nice Leonard Cohen to entertain Mary Berry for a delicious picnic and Lucifer for the eye candy for the ladies yeah. Um, all the men all the men so so who would yours be while I get Sarah oh, Kirk's up and I find oh. out the missing one from okay. from Fred there so you now first of all I was going to go for David Mitchell Fry Candy who I love but then I had to bump him because I wanted someone that's slightly um, fan, fantasy cult um, sci-fi so I actually went from with James Masters who was Spike and Buffy because I, then I could cover that side of things and still you could cover his side of things. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I could take him home after the do. Uh, then I went for Dave Allen, the Irish comedian, because I absolutely love Dave Allen. He's my favourite comedian, so I would quite happily sit and listen to him for an evening. Then my third one was Emily Davison, who was a suffragette, and she was the one who actually um, jumped in front of the king's horse, uh, George V's horse. Did she jump or was she pushed? Or did she fall? Like that's she there's a thing there. For women's rights. Hey look, no matter what, it's Don't you so feel great. bad now? I'm just saying, hey, it's great what she did. <laughs> but there is speculation whether or not she jumped or she fell. She, Either which anyway, way she was there for, there for women's go. rights. There you go, yeah. So you know, uh, so there you go. That that's my my third lady. And then my fourth one would be Henry the because I researched Tudor history. So obviously that would be something I would talk to. And my fifth one who I'm very excited about would be Jack the Ripper because then what I can do is I can go through the other four and think, right, I know you, I know you, I know you, and I now know who you are. Yeah, I'll be there going inside Keller. My name is Tom. Oh, you're Jack the Ripper. Oh, damn it. Every time they yeah. fill me with this, they send an invite for Jack the Ripper and I turn up. Yeah. 
It's exactly right. Because he evaded everything for so long. Then he's just like, oh, party invitation. I can't resist a do. I know. And then I can just go, I know who you are. I can tell everyone. Oh, Gosling, you got me again. I'm a clever girl. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, so the ones which... Um... Not just the hat rack. <laughs> or something else that I can't say that I said the other Sarah day. Sarah Kirk has put, Eric Cantona, he'll be interesting to chat with and he could teach me French. David Marciano, of course, from uh, from Due South, yeah, who played cook. the original Ray. Yeah, to cook, yeah. Tim Burgess to DJ. Never heard of him, but cool. Paul to talk about his cases. And Ainley Davidson, again, second entry for Emily Davidson. shout. What was her intention when she stood in front of the king's horse? Ha ha! You see, there is some some intrigue about yeah, I what mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, well, I what I know of Emily Davison is obviously that she was in and out of prison. She'd done. Um, she done hard stuff. Uh, yeah, she she was quite uh, quite um, what can I put active in the activist pool. <laughs> I can put active it like in the that. activist pool. Yeah, I was trying to word it right then. So yeah, so she was. Uh, quite active there was very many things that she uh she did do so yes cool and uh i now have fred's full list so bonnet and bill gates was his other one so um a wonderful highbrow conversation he would have so that's all our uh, answers to the big question of the week thank you very much for all those uh what a wonderful selection of dinner parties you guys would be having uh we're gonna go into um let's go straight into our interviews so the first one is with Professor Elemental, and we play a few of his tunes throughout, and then we speak to Alex Reed. Uh, I would say in both cases, um, well, Professor Elemental had a bit of an interesting time getting online, so um, oh, lots of shenanigans and the usual fun you'd expect from the Dr. Squee show, and that we had a great time. He, if you haven't heard of him, please do look him up. We feature some of his songs. You're going to love it. Alex Reed. Really, I did not expect to have a lot in common with an ex-MMA fighter, actor, you know, all the things he's done. But um, when he spoke about bullying and his experiences with that, and what it's inspired him to do, really, um, yeah, we we had a quite a lot of bonding ground. It's quite surprising. Aww. So uh, thank you very much for joining us for this little intro, Nicola. Yay! I can go and have a godfather now. Woo. So we're going to go and have some more drinks while you listen to my interview, first of all, with Professor Elemental. Oh, yeah. Uh, my guest tonight is having a few different issues with his uh, video and audio equipment. He is just running out now. So what we're going to do, I will introduce him properly in a minute. We'll pretend we didn't know who it is. But uh, we're going to go to one of his music videos, which he sent me. Like, we're going all high-tech and professional tonight. We've got music videos and everything. So uh, we're going to go off to the music video. This is by my guest tonight, Professor Elemental. And this is The Bar at the End of Time. Please enjoy this. Morning. Trials are not function. So sorry about this, sir. Warning. Resetting for 1913, 1280-2001-2000-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing-nothing
I've not been here before. I mean, I've seen all sorts of things, but I'm sure a pub at the beginning of the end helped me floored. From outside, it looks sort of Tudor, but from another angle, it could be from the future. Can't work out if it's bricks or made out of computers, but I can hear music inside. How super. I'm new to time travel, and it is a bit lonely. Thrown me all over, maybe someone can show me how to get home or how to get Jeffrey. I step in, even I'm impressed. See, there's plenty of travelers all getting messy. Let me get these, we're all getting ready. The band's coming on. They look like they might rock. Here, where the travelers come on a night off. It's the in at the end of time. Time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine. Everybody in at the end of the line. The in at the end of time. Time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine. Everybody in at the end of the line. It's our pleasure to introduce a super group with new music for you. Romana on percussion, Morlock on a sousaphone, Jules Verne on flute, Isaac Newton looking right at home. Hitchhikers guided here, Vikings and pirates sip finest beer. With Kang in competition, imbibing by the gallons, while live and on stage it's the Wild Stallions. Time bandits decide to throw food. Ted Theodore Logan is like, whoa, dude. And I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. I grab what I can and then dance like a loon. Hey! It's a party starter, Bob, and get me a pangalactic gargle blaster. Oh, and then it really gets trippy. I think he might have slipped me a Mickey. It's the in at the end of time. Time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine. Everybody in at the end of the line. The in at the end of time. Time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine. Everybody in at the end of the line. A Yankee holding court, arguing with a couple of Cronenorts and Sam Beckett's a little bit new in here. Spill drinks on Doc Brown, doing cheers. Get another round, order new beers. It's truly weird. Every night's New Year's. No day after, there can't be hangovers. In no time at all, there's nobody here sober. It's getting dicey. Nobody knows who gave Gary Sparrow that bloody nose. Is there a doctor in the house? Oh, there's nine or ten, eleven. The barman shouts, Time. and I shout, no, there's not. And more came pouring in. Time bandits joyriding a DeLorean crashed into a TARDIS. Zaphod Beeblebrock shouts, Party's over. Someone called the Time Cops. the inn at the end of time not the bar at the end of time who would say that only a fool who was thrown off by their guest having technical issues but anyway we will never mind that now you'll never guess who my guest is today but he is a, a man who's uh, sold out crowds around the world he does events from festivals to sci-fi events to weddings and everything in between and uh, as he put it to me i did check this he is a professor of professoring and studied study professoring 
at the Reginald and Toby Blake University of Northern Babbling Brook and Bateshop, having rightly been rejected from every other institute, which is convenient because I am a PhD in podcasting bullshit and I got my degree at Big George's Bar and Grill and University will say, if you say Dr. Squeeze sent you, you can get 10% off the vegan cauliflower chicken wings this Tuesday. Please welcome to the Dr. Squeeze show, Professor Elemental. How are you doing, sir? It's working. Everything's working again now. Oh, good. Yeah. No, no. How are you? I mean, the one thing which people aren't used to on this show is any technical difficulties. Wink. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> it's super slick normally. Don't worry, I'm yeah, here yeah. to disrupt all of that. I've had, I've got my little earmuffs on instead of my helmet. And uh, to be honest, I feel naked. Um, I mean, I am mostly naked apart from the jacket, but I also feel naked. Uh, well, this is lovely. That. I mean, people who are watching this will have to imagine your nudity, but like this goes out on my radio show later. So people who are listening to this, just imagine he's naked. Like you do that, the visuals get in the way. It's a little bit of a late night treat, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Just sit back for a moment, close your eyes and think of me resplendent naked by the fire on a Thursday evening. (laughs) And if that isn't a start to an interview, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way I start interviews. That's in my rider. At the very at the top of my contract for every interview, it says must be allowed to talk about self being naked before interview begins. We've got that out of the way now. It's just a technicality. Now we can continue. It's funny, wherever I play, they usually put it in the contract that I have to keep my clothes on. It's like yeah, they've learned some better experience. Under yeah, any yeah, circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that. So how are you doing? How are yeah. you surviving? How's it all going? That was going to be my question to you. Yeah, it's, it is the strangest of all times, but we're seeing some light in the darkness. I've got my first jab and, and we're getting there. Things are starting to ease up. Tomorrow I actually get to see some family after a very long time. How about yourself? Uh, that's nice. Yeah, that is beautiful, isn't it? The, the, little, the little things are the big things suddenly. But yeah, same. I got my first jab and um, spent a lot of time before and after uh, imagining it was some kind of super soldier serum rather than something that made me feel really shit for a few days. Um, but they, when I got my jab, I went, uh, they had stickers, right? They had a load of stickers on the table saying, I've had my jab. And I said to the chap, I said, well, uh, obviously, I'll be getting a sticker afterwards. And he gave me a look like it's been a really long day. Vaccinating people are saving lives. Why are you talking about stickers? Like, no, but I, and he gave me my jab. And I sat there afterwards with a knowing look like, ahem. Obviously, we'll be leaving until you've given me my... And the look he gave me, he was... Uh, honestly, oh, I'm a man that needs the affirmation of a sticker saying I've done something well. And why have the stickers there if you're going to get cross with me? Exactly. And look, you know, we all want to do our part. We all, all want to make sure everyone's protected out there. We want to fight this evil scourge of COVID. Is it too much to ask that we get a sticker at the end of it? <laughs> exactly. If it's up to me, we get stickers for everything. Everything you did. Paid your mortgage, get a sticker. Driven your kids to yeah. school, have a sticker. I mean, they gave me a little bit of cotton wool just in case my arm bleed. It didn't, so I just pocketed it, you know. And that's, well, that's, that's the thing. You give my... yourself a free uh, small tiny cloud that you can keep as a pet. A couple of googly eyes. That's hours of entertainment in my book. You see, now I, I learned from the master. That's all I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> I, I was a bit upset, actually, because everyone else is posting their photos with their little vaccination certificate saying that they've got They didn't give me one. Did so anyone was outside playing with my little bit of cotton wool, imagining it was a cloud, and just realised I didn't get one. Are you sure you went to a legitimate vaccination hub and it wasn't just like some man in a tent doing it for There fun. was a tent involved. There was a guy with a bottle of something. I didn't ask any questions. He put an injection to me. 
I woke up a couple of days later a bit delirious. I'm sure that sounds it was all a little right. bit last, last time I went to the Boomtown Festival. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't in the hospital, but it was just around the corner in a dark alley. I assumed that was just <laughs> part of the programme. I've got your vaccination here, pal. Come on through. Don't worry. There's no queue around here. Did you meet him? That sounds exactly like him. <laughs> yeah, Big Dave. He does all the vaccinations. Get to the head of the queue. Never, never quite sure what it is, but I feel fantastic afterwards for a while. Actually, it is my mate Dave, I do imagine. Which, bizarrely enough, actually, funny coincidence. I had a picture in my head of my Dave, my mate Dave, who you played the wedding of, Ali and Dave. So, ah, I, yes, I remember that marvellous. <laughs> oh, go. I do, I do miss a good wedding. And the kind of people that hire Professor Elemental for weddings are nine times out of ten complete nut jobs, and I mean <laughs> that in the nicest possible way. So, like, if I was sort of doing a wedding band. It, you know, you get some good ones, you get some bad ones. But most of mine are not only like really funny people, but they're having a really strange wedding. And even if they're not, there's like an aunt or uncle looking at me like, what the hell is got Susan gotten herself into marrying this boy? It's great. I'm yeah, I mean, if, en if anyone else uses the term nut job, we might take it as an insult. If it's you and I, we're just referring to our people. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just, just a way of talking to your tribe, really, isn't it? That's absolutely true. <laughs> We're allowed to call them that. We're reclaiming the nut job term. <laughs> nut job is such an old, that's such an old fashioned thing to use as well, isn't it? I've noticed as I get into my, weirdly, I'm getting into my mid 40s. I'm using slang that is older than I am for some reason. It's all, it's all becoming like, well, that'll be just brill. What, what, what's going on with me? I'll wager that wouldn't be happening anytime soon. And it's hard enough having the professor's voice like rabbiting in my ear as well. You know, all kinds of odd Victorian slang comes out when I'm telling the children off. Definitely. And by the way, anyone judging out there, it's 5pm. It's the long bank holiday weekend. It's totally it is, fine. Isn't it? The bank holiday weekend. That's nice. That's nice. Have you got any plans? Um, well, I mean, this was the first plan, obviously. but uh... <laughs> That's all of our first plans, of course. <laughs> uh yeah no like i say just uh some family in the garden which is going to be nice like my um my stepdaughter i've i've seen very briefly basically uh i have joint custody of uh one of my dogs with my ex-wife and okay. uh my stepdaughter is my actual it's actually my stepdaughter from previous marriage but okay. like i was in the kids lives from from when they were just young so you know yeah, yeah, my kids. Yeah. so basically i've seen her Briefly, as she lets go of the dog at the door, I stand a safe two metres back. Oh, God. Say hi, and, and then, you know, push the door at her. You know, that's about all you can do at the moment. Like, and, oh, you know, we, we want to so strictly be really stick good by and really careful. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And, it's going to be so, so nice to kind of break that seal and be like, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to slam the door on you. Just get around the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I keep from a safe distance. Don't think we've gone further than that. I can yeah, see your face. Yeah. And the funny. shortest possible route to the toilet, please. I'm two weeks <laughs> into the jab. I'm weighing three before I'm any kind of more lax at all. And it's even so then, true, isn't it? And there are, you know, there are still plenty of people quite understandably going, no, nah, I ain't going outside. And I think more than a few going, pretending that they're scared of going outside, but actually just don't want to hang out with people anymore. I've realised that being on your own is actually quite nice. They just want to stick doing that. Yeah, I mean, all my writer friends are just like, brilliant, so I don't have to see people. Result, everyone's just on my page now. Yeah, exactly. 
It's weird how immediately, like, I'm a bit scared going on social media, though, because we're all on social media all the time. We've got nothing else going on. So if you sort of comment or start a conversation with something, suddenly it spirals out of control. I can get quite anxious realising that I'm having 12 conversations and all at the same time. Like, ah, too much, too much people. Get the people away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, but nothing beats right now for me. The other day, and I didn't realise how long it had been since I went on a bus because I've been working from home. We've got a park just by us, so that's the dogs taken care of. Like, So I just don't leave my little bubble area, if you like. I got on the bus to go to Pets at Home with my fiancé and, and with the dogs. And just, I was like, don't like it, don't like it, just don't like it. Just no, just just everyone just be farther away from me, please. Very weird. <laughs> and that's a bus. It's really, Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, and I think it's, it's all right to have a few wobbly moments. That's what I've realised. You know, there's nobody that I'm excited as we all are. I just think people shouldn't feel bad if they're also a bit anxious for whatever it might be their reason or a bit nervous of it, because it is, it's, it's kind of doing it in incremental stages. As you say, going on a bus suddenly feels like you're in a mosh pit in an unfamiliar club at night. <laughs> you could be terrified. I do get that. Yeah, Which, I used to do that in an unfamiliar club at midnight. Now the bus scares me. I mean, just, <laughs> what yeah. have we become? There was no anyone like that, aren't there? Anyone who didn't already like kind of the outdoors and a lot of people, I I really feel for them. And yeah, like you say, this is actually important for all of us to say as much as we can. It is okay not to be okay. Either now, when you go out there, it is all fine. Don't worry if you don't yeah. feel comfortable straight away. Take baby steps. Definitely. I think there's a lot of, you know, in, for some people feel a lot of pressure, like, oh my God, I should be making plans and seeing all of the people and doing all of the stuff. And that can be just a, like a, a hugely overwhelming thought. And yeah, just take, taking it small. Start with a little Twitch stream and then move on to have a cup of tea in person. And if you want a good Twitch stream to watch, there is always the Dogs of Squeeze Show or Professor Henry and Paul or yeah, well, exactly, <laughs> a friend level exactly. up Leroy. <laughs> I should say to anybody watching this, I'm going to do a... Um, uh, I'm getting into streaming just as everybody starts going out again. But I've been doing a little cup of tea um, on f- about four o'clock on Instagram Live. And I'm chatting to Mr B tomorrow. I put it off from last week. Um, so, yeah. Come and come have a cup of tea with us, and I'm going to see if I can be really well behaved and just not say rude things to him for half an hour. <laughs> I, I I've got it. Since you brought it up, uh, one of my favourite one of your tracks, uh, fighting trousers to begin with, but then the whole kind of arc of the rap battle was just amazing <laughs> between you and Mister B. How do you go about? I just how how do you go about the writing process? Who writes what? Who kind of puts what in? Do you kind of go, right, I'm releasing this track, you release something, how do you do that? <laughs> well, we're, kind of pretty, we're pretty separate. When it comes to re- writing that one, I think we bounced it back and forth. And I based it on a, it was a Muppet Show sketch on the first Muppet Show album where Stano and Waldorf were going, that was terrible. No, actually, it was quite good. Actually, I thought it was amazing. And we kind of did that in the rap battle song where we're going to start out being horrible and then we'll start being really, really nice to each other. Um, but I always slightly regret that song because... I felt so bad about fighting trousers and I carried the guilt with me for so long because, because Jim turned out to be such a nice chap. I kind of held back on the battle track and then I had loads of people on YouTube going, oh, well, our professor lost that one in the end. Like, no, I, I was trying to be nice, damn it. I, I could have gone harder. It sounds to me, Professor, like there's unfinished business here. It sounds like someone should be having a rematch. I, I, look, I don't mean to be the man kind of stoking the fires here, but B, if you're listening, just saying. This is a... This is the hard thing about it, though. Like, I spend a lot of time crafting songs and shows that are specifically designed to make people feel as good as possible. Like, if I get them out of the audience, I want them to feel good and happy and positivity and to, you know, embrace everybody. Great stuff. 
as soon as I do a sing verse of the horrible and just said, oh, you, uh, you smell. People are like, oh, that's the best thing you've ever done. You're on, you've been wasting your time up until now. So it's, it's really hard not to take pot, cheap pot shots of people just for a few likes. I think it was easy to tell, though, and I don't know what your uh, previous relationship together was, but like uh, it, it certainly felt like listening to it because I, I sort of caught up with you a bit late when this was kind of uh, all kind of had happened. And it just felt so siblingly, sibling rivalry in nature. It didn't seem mean. It just seemed like teammates winding each other up, which is what I think people respond to. You know, if it was actually mean or nasty, that's not fun anymore. And what you guys sell in your songs is fun and whimsy. That's true. That's very kind of you to say. Yeah. And I think the the family aspect, because it's so tiny chat pop, like I just love being in the genre. There's four fucking people doing it, pardon my friend. Four people. It is not caught on. It's not popular. It never that's as big as it's gonna get. But they because there's only four of us, Mr. B's kind of slightly like my big brother. I'm a bit of a pain in the ass. And then um and then Madam Misfits is um horrible to me all of the time. The sort of third <laughs> The, the young upstart to the chat pot world and vice versa and then i'm really horrible there as well and then uh, uh and thomas uh it's just sort of a cool one <laughs> just just sort of sits and observes it all but i like that i like the idea of a dysfunctional family it's going to be my I sitcom mean, I, idea i i couldn't believe it when when i heard there was more than one like uh oh have you heard the other chat pop artists what do you mean other chat pop artists there is no way there's more than one person doing this there's no is oh, there even me down. one person doing it Hey, I didn't say that. I very much enjoyed the fact that one person doing it. When I found out there was four, I was over the moon, but just surprised. <laughs> I know. I, it, took, it took us by surprise as well. I, I, the, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it into a sitcom idea. Could you imagine a, a 70s-style sitcom of all of us having to do a house share? <laughs> <laughs> Although, which of you came up with the kind of idea of chat pop, and, and where did it kind of originate? Uh, this, we, uh, I would like to now sort of spin a yarn about how it was definitely a minute it was Mr B but the truth of it is we both came up with it ex- exactly the same time he may have coined the phrase first but we both it was like exactly the same time completely by accident we started doing the same in the same town as well no wonder I thought Bastard was copying me I thought that's, that's too much of a coincidence I'm having a pop at that turns out it was a coincidence do you want to shout out your town? Brighton, Brighton, sweet Brighton town. I mean, Brighton's where I live, but Ipswich will always have my heart. Sweet, sweet, forgiving Ipswich. Do you want to say anything pandering about Southampton, seeing as we're recording from here? Um, it has, Southampton is the source of a number of chain restaurants that you can or can decide not to go to. That's about as much as I've found out, and I've been there many, many times. Oh, no, the art house, the art house is in Southampton, and that's the best place yes. in the world. That's my favourite place to do shows ever and you should all go to the art house because it's lovely very true you may have found the uh one chink and our chain restaurant armor here <laughs> <laughs> i've i spent a lot of time exploring southampton with like time on my hand before a show i'm gonna see what southampton has to offer i'm going back now back into the hotel room <laughs> i mean look the, the the motto of southampton is meh it's not portsmouth and portsmouth by the way the reverse motto so i'm not having part of portsmouth i'm not trying to <laughs> stoke that old rivalry I've had some terrifying nights out in Portsmouth. Something always goes wrong for me in Portsmouth. I, I'll end up in like a sort of a dungeon 
in <laughs> a couple of couple of times I've ended up in a strange dungeon with a, an old man trying to convince me to get up to terrible things in the peculiar club. Just like, no, no, I'm probably going to head back now. That's a bit much. Portsmouth has got a lot going on under the ground. I feel like they do whatever Southampton does to the extreme. So where we've got beautiful scenic views and lovely kind of areas around the pier and everything, they're beautiful here in Southampton. Portsmouth may actually beat us. Their their um their port side is is absolutely lovely. When you go to the Spinnaker Towers, it looks absolutely beautiful. I, I will say, when you go to the rough places in Portsmouth, though, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you wish you're in Southampton. I'm just saying. <laughs> so so true. Like yeah, it's it's a kind of edginess that I used to really embrace when I was first doing the professor. Like, well, wow, this this kind of action never works somewhere like this. But now I've played in a few places and it really hasn't worked in somewhere like that. I'm like, that's enough of that experience. That's that's plenty of that. It's kind of the same with Bristol and Brighton. Bristol is like is like the kind of more real version of Brighton. Because Brighton's all a little bit pretentious and oh we've got a new waffle shop opening up next to the ice cream bar. And Bristol's a bit more like, let's do some ketamine smash up Tesco's. But they kind of they've got got a sort of similarity. But Bristol's more full on. I think uh, Bristol and Brighton, which you mentioned before, like, you know, I, I think you just add a little bit of extra whimsy onto it and a little less fear than Portsmouth you've got there. I think there's a sprinkling of whimsy here, that's for sure. I, yeah, I'm going to look, I mean, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing Brighton like bounce back into life with all of its eccentricities and fringe shows and things. It's going to be gorgeous. And for you, I mean, what has it been like going from, you know, you, you had a pretty heavy touring schedule to just being home all the time. And does that breed any fear about kind of going on stage again? I've had loads of people who are now performers who are actually worried about kind of just stepping on stage again. Too. Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, it, has, it, it, it was, yeah, like everybody else kind of adapted and ad- adapted into this new weird sort of, you know, sort of admin life. It was all of the exciting fun of the professor being slightly stripped back, leaving only the, the hardcore of administration that is required to keep it afloat. Wow, this isn't what I signed up for, but I've been really lucky. Just like been so lucky um, people have sort of supported me throughout it. There's definitely been, I'm not scared about getting back on stage, but I definitely had a lot of fear about, oh, well, that's it. That's it. All over now. They won't want me. They'll open up again and no one will ever book me again. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that trousers tea guy. I'm done with him. But I had a lot of that sort of imposter syndrome. But the gigs are coming back in now and it's going to be fine, probably. It should be fine. The trouser tea guy. If that isn't on the T-shirt for you sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I just, that's when my merchandising gets really lazy. You know me. I'm the trouser tea bloke. Go cup of tea. That's that sort of stuff. Just have that in brackets has monkey butler. Yeah. <laughs> That's the three things you need to know. Speaking of which, yeah, let's get on to Jeffrey there. Like, how, don't get on how, to Jeffrey. How, that makes what? him very cross, sir. <laughs> I heard he enjoyed it, but that's another story. How, what, where, why, why monkey butler? I love it, but just, just uh, go, monkey butler. Oh, uh, that. This is, what I, this is what I like about creative things, how tiny things can expand into ridiculous, like, whole worlds. Like, uh, that was just a throwaway line in the very first song. It was a professor song, but there was no such thing as a professor. And it just said, I've got a pet orangutan with a mechanical eye. Um, and then I did, I did a show and got a toy monkey and put the mechanical eye in and kept pointing it at people. And then it kind of expanded into this sort of living, breathing character and the, a perfect foil for the professor's sort of wackiness to add a chaotic orangutan on top. It was really satisfying. 
I mean, they're, they're, I do remember one sci-fi weekend, uh, which is one of the uh, gigs which both uh, me and the professor have been known to frequent. Uh, and and uh, there was this guy who was kind of trying to sort out game backstage. It was one of the ones where they had some very, very, let's just say efficient security men. And he was going, it's like, I, I'm with the professor. I, I'm, I'm sort of the monkey. <laughs> I can remember that. And he wasn't allowed in and it all went wrong. That was, that was actually my worst moment in the whole sci-fi candles I've ever done. I've done loads of them. And my friend brought his monkey suit and I got caught up in rehearsing. So I forgot to tell him to let him in. And I was halfway through the show and I just saw him in the crowd like a forlorn Jeffrey. And it was too, like there was no way of getting him up on stage, which is what he'd come to do. And it was, yeah, I've never felt more guilty about letting a monkey down. And I've let your monkeys down, I can tell you that, over the years. Yeah, it's not a new experience. It's just the, the worst it's one. It's the it? worst one. Normally, you don't really care. But this one, it's it creep. OK, we're going to have some more monkey shines. Yeah, see what I did there in a moment. Uh, but let's let's hear another track. So um, in all in together, let's go with next. Uh, do you want to intro the track? What do you want people to know about this one? Oh, I wrote this uh, without thinking about it, which is the best way to write songs. And it's probably the song that most people have given me nice feedback about. Um, it's sort of the first time I really approached the idea of just inclusivity, particularly in the world being a nerd and how beautiful it is when you find tribe. Don't be sad. Don't be nervous either. There's no, there's no need. We love you just the way you are. Come on in, join the rest of us. We're all in here. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a lovely night. You're not the tallest or the strongest or the fastest or the cleverest. Legends last long, but not forever. So remember this. We're all together, so don't be frightened. He who knows least is most enlightened. It might be that ignorance is bliss. It's inherently ridiculous we even exist. So why be inconspicuous? A reasonable risk just to give it all in. It's as easy as this. Isn't that all better, better than a call centre till it's all Paul Bearers? We're all aware of all of life's pleasures and how little time's left. Let's all hoard treasure. Set sail, all crew, all weathers. Odd individuals look awesome together. <laughs> Everybody gather, gather together, we're going to have a group shot. Oh, yes. Celebrate your oddities, your worth, your sexuality. Celebrate your urges, celebrate humanity. Celebrate your fetishes, my message is clear. There's no such thing as normal, everybody's weird. Celebrate your oddities, your art, your own insanity. Celebrate your birth, celebrate humanity. Celebrate your everything and let me be clear. There's no such thing as normal, everybody's weird. Don't be beaten by the bullies or the bigots or the bosses or the system or the sods in all their boxes and in offices. Don't let the silly sausages say your mission is preposterous. Accomplish it and if they demolish it, repolish it. Climb on top, life is yours to conquer. Plant your flag, roar like a monster. Hooray for small joy, rise and shine. Make time for relying, make time for wine. Make time for fine nights, it's our ship to charter. Nobody's on their deathbed wishing they worked harder. More wagging, less barking, all in the spotlight, none in the margins. More unicorns and a lot less trolls. We'll never rest and we'll never get old. We'll never get gold, but the air's so fresh. Just be you, I'm incredibly impressed. Celebrate your oddities, your worth, your sexuality. Celebrate your urges, celebrate humanity. Celebrate your fetishes, my message is clear. There's no such thing as normal, everybody's weird. Celebrate your oddities, your art, your own insanity. Celebrate your birth, celebrate humanity. Celebrate your everything and let me be clear There's no such thing as normal Everybody's weird <laughs> Oh yeah, you see? There! 
feel better. Everybody's weird. Everybody has their, their strange side. Deep inside, none of us really grew up. There's no such thing as a grown-up. It's all imaginary. So with that in mind, you take my hand. Let's go off together. Oh, yes. inclusivity that's what we love to kind of support and kind of put out here there is just something so wonderful and something i don't think you get on the same level of just just everyone welcome at these kind of weird and wonderful sci-fi events absolutely i think that's what a lot of people have been missing particularly who don't have you know friends with the same interests in the vicinity and like the geographical vicinity yeah there's something very beautiful about hooking up with so many people who are operating on the same level and you can't and you know cliche as it is you just that feeling that you could talk to anybody no matter how sort of awkward you might feel in other situations as they just it's like everybody can just take off all their pretense and just have a good chat it's lovely and i i, I do love your act for that i love the fact that it's yeah professional mental it's just this weird and kind of like everyone's welcome world i feel like if, if anyone doesn't like it and by the way they're wrong if they don't but <laughs> if anyone doesn't like it They've at least got to kind of admire the beauty of the mission of it. Uh, how do you start first with the professor? Was that kind of how did the character start as a professor? How do you kind of like uh, get that going? He just sort of popped out like fully formed. It was one of those like once in a lifetime things for me. It was, it was gorgeous. Like my friend Tom Caruana, who makes all the music um and without whom there couldn't possibly be any rapping from me um he was doing a, a concept album of loads of different rappers doing different time periods and being rappers most of them just didn't get around to doing it they just you know just fell by the wayside but i did the victorian one it was so satisfying and i struggled for so long sort of trying to perfect like a bit of a london accent because you know that's what all the other rappers did i was like no i could go the other way i'll just sound even more middle class in fact i'll sound beyond middle class. i'm posh and that was yeah that was, it fitted nicely and on the earlier album covers you've kind of got like more looks more like a circus ringleader uh did did you have the khakis from the beginning or was that the, which of i i stole them from um a flatmate i think because there was somebody doing like a victorian variety show and it sounded really like ramshackle and a bit rubbish i was like i want a bit of that it's kind of i there were he had the safari suit and i bought the hat in a, in a mysterious shop that i never saw again and just did it a little just to see what it'd be like to do something in character and then and now i'm trapped in this character for the rest of my days like some kind of terrible monkey's paw <laughs> ironically did you get it off jeffrey <laughs> like Jeffrey, I'm trapped with Jeffrey's monkey's paw for all days. Well, I, there was me wishing that I could somehow make a living as a rapper. And now I can, but at a terrible cost. And it's Jeffrey. <laughs> and at that time, because I, you know, I, I know now there is a great scene for all these wonderful gigs. And if anything, it's kind of tough for sci-fi events to kind of garner an audience because there are so many of them. 
but it wasn't always the way at the time was there lots of places where you could take this act on the road how was it building up the kind of following this is yeah this is a very good question as well i yeah I, it was the fact that steampunk had suddenly become a thing and that made all the difference in the world that there was you know a couple of american people that would take me on and then realizing that actually it was such an odd act that you could just put it wherever odd acts lived. So I did quite a lot of sort of fetish nights and the anime conventions and comic conventions, just odd things. Just I just wherever he shouldn't be, that's where I liked being the most. I did a couple of metal nights where all the other bands were metal, and there was just me going, "Hello, I've got some trousers," and um, I loved it. I love I, I love that. It makes it all the more funny. What's the best and worst reaction you got from some of those early gigs at those weird ones? <laughs> um. I, a friend had to stop me from being beaten up once and um, people hated me so much. And I didn't realise as well. I was like, oh, oh, that was fun. I think we should go, Paul. Really? I don't think so. Let's stick around a while. No, Paul, I think we should We should probably go now. Found out that was going to kick me in for being so terrible. Um, but on the plus side, when it's gone right, you know, I think there's a club called Club Antichrist, which uh, on the face of it, on the website, you could look at it and just think, oh, my God, that looks terrifying. But actually, it's full of really nice, very kooky, uh, kinky people. And I've done a few gigs there. And because it is so unusual, me and my pith helmet, surrounded by loads of people in kind of latex and unusual fancy dress, that's probably some of the happiest I've ever been on stage. Go, well, look at where I've ended up. This is marvellous. <laughs> and were you always so confident with the character? Because you're like, you, there is definitely no kind of uh, break in the professor act whenever i've seen you were you always did you always feel like that just at home with it did it always just come that naturally because yeah, increasingly again part of the curse is there's a there's an old saying in sort of show business apparently like for character people who act one character the mask burns the face and that's really stayed with me in that there is really no professor character anymore i have become him he's become me my wife is terrified and disgusted. My children are confused, but I am basically just the professor all the time now. Um, and he's always, it's always kind of been me when I'm excited anyway. And I think the two things have just led together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. <laughs> what was it like at the fetish night? I've got to ask you brought it up. It's like everything else, though. It's like like if people said, oh, what's it like at a furries convention or a bronies convention or something that you've never been to? You would think, yeah. oh, my God, that sounds like pretty strange stuff right there. But, of course, it's just people dressed up. And it's people dressed up who shed their innocence as well, so they tend to be as friendly and nice. It's almost exactly the same as the sci-fi weekender, except slightly hotter. I guess I'm always just curious how seriously they take it, because, like... At the sci-fi weekend and the sci-fi events, we all know it's kind of all just love and fun and just everyone's just uh, the best version of themselves, it feels like. Just everyone's just exactly. free. And a lot of these other events I know are like that, but you get the occasional ones where they take it very, very seriously. Yes. You guys like, oh, whips and chains. They go, no, whips and chains. Okay. <laughs> I'm not very, I don't think that happens very often in England, though, because England is inherently not a very sexy country. We are not a sexy people, if you, you know, just generally. And I think we only, we can only approach stuff like that with humor at the better time. So I think that's what, that's what makes it good that no, no one takes it too seriously and everyone's having a nice time. But you can say that about everything. It's the same with our fandom. You know, we don't, hope, yeah. you know, for the most part, people don't get too on their high horse. I might, might be speaking out of turn there. Whereas, yeah, I've definitely been to a few American conventions where people take steampunk incredibly seriously. 
or get very or, or that their thing is that they're really into the history of it uh, or some aspect that I might sort of struggle to stay interested in um, and uh, yeah that could be that could be a challenge sometimes but then you've got to respect everybody comes at things from their own angles don't they it's true enough and I do I do try and keep that in mind because you know even as I was saying that I could think of an example there was this great one where actually again at sci-fi weekend we're not sponsored I promise but there we go <laughs> Um, we love it. Uh, I was at the Sci-Fi Weekend. I was talking to the Pan Man, uh, Martin Croft. I don't know why I do the motion of the pan on the head. Like, you and know, it doesn't look good, to be honest. Well, it's, it's just like, like that needs explaining anyway. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> it, called the Pan Man. He wears a pan man's head. Does a dark impression. Job Wonderful done. bloke. We were chatting though, and he goes, and this is about the time when Jodie Whittaker had been announced as a doctor. He goes, "Oh, what do you think about that?" And I was about to go, "Well, you know, I'm okay with it. I think it's great. Yeah, whatever." I said, well, and there was this voice which just came from yonder off and just went, no, <laughs> mate, like you're, you're welcome to join a conversation, but no one actually asked you. I was specifically asked a question. <laughs> you want to join a conversation in the nicer ways. So I do know in any group, you can get someone who takes it a little too seriously. Yeah, and they can, and that can definitely, you know, spoil it for the, spoil it for the else. But for the most part, I, I, I you know, I enjoy those kind of moments particularly at sci-fi weekend because you get some sort of uh sort of d-list movie stars and things that completely believe their own hype it's not really the fans that i ever noticed being kind of a bit too arrogant it's, it's sometimes the guests and they are either so supremely sylvester mccoy lovely or they are an absolute buck roger nightmare um and you know i've seen <laughs> i've seen and dealt with both buck rogers particularly it was a there was a very strange energy between me and Buck Rogers. It was uncomfortable every time we talked. It was like a really manly uncle, and I was like his disappointing nephew. It, the whole thing was just peculiar. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, tell us about it. So, like, you, like me, you, you grew up on all this. This is mother's milk, this sci-fi goodness. Yeah. Uh, what have been some of the kind of meats which have meant the most to you uh, doing all these wonderful events? Oh, I, I think um, uh, interviewing... Um, Oh my God! What's his name? How have I forgotten his name? How have I forgotten his name? The um, you know, Brian Blessed, man, Brian Blessed. Interviewing Brian Blessed, that was probably the most excited uh, that I've been in terms of like meeting somebody. Um, and I met Stan Lee when I was a kid, and I was over the moon about that. They're probably my two best sort of meets. But generally, it's kind of it's it, it's the hilarity of being backstage with I don't know a member of State of Quo, the bloke who plays r2d to a 2000 ad artist who's off his head and you know some some other random person who i've not met before but it's those combinations of unusual people that you get particularly at sci-fi things it's just hilarious i just i find where else do you get those kind of like those kind of combos i was at the um the signing which brian blessed was doing at one of the uh, sci-fi weekenders and he was sat there at his table he was kind of holding court telling these stories and it got to this point between people going in now, because I, I was doing press, so I just, to mm. instant, I was just kind of cheekily trying to say hi to him in between time. You know, I always make sure <laughs> I don't get in the way of anything. If I can get a quick interview with him, all the better. Mm. Um, but he, he sort of said to me in between kind of people coming over to the table, because they come over in groups if, with their VIP passes. He's going, like, does that sound okay? Is this kind of the thing you got, you people want? And it's like, it was this wonderful moment because Brian Blessed generally is exactly how you think Brian Blessed would be. Absolutely. But it was just such a human moment of him going, am I doing all right? Is, is this okay? You know, and you just suddenly realise, 
underneath Brian Blessed is just the same as all of us. We, <laughs> we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We don't it's know the if we're most doing the right thing. thing. It's the most important lesson you possibly learn that like the coolest person you know is a complete mess as well. It's so sort of free when you just go, oh, everybody is nervous. Everyone's terrified all the time. Everyone thinks they've got it wrong or done it better. And once you know that, you're kind of free to make your mistakes uh, a bit more uh, forgive yourself i think that's the key you've just got to be got to be ready to mess things up and then forgive yourself when you get it wrong like everybody else does i think definitely i just just it just made me as if i couldn't love brian blessed anymore just just he managed it he managed it by being just a little <laughs> bit more human yeah yeah they yeah they're the good ones i think i think and generally you notice it when you see people being interviewed that you like it's those people who give quite a lot of themselves isn't it and kind of you know, share their actual experience being there. I don't know. There's, there's, you can, you can tell when it's sincere, and you can tell when it's just someone popping along for the money, or to promote their latest yeah. whatever. And we, we won't give any names, although we could. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really stopped myself there from turning into some kind of awful gossipy nerd. Well, I tell you one thing. I once chatted to. Because <laughs> that's the other thing I try and remind myself as well. I have interviewed people which have. Not been fun interviews, I'll say that. And and I've seen other people have kind of negative fan experiences. But you've got to remember these are humans as well. They could just be having a real shit day. Exactly. That's, That's so true. Everybody, yeah, everybody, not, no, nobody's good all the time. And we've all, you know, we've all had days where we're a bit off. You're just doing it in front of an awful lot of people. So, yeah, you have to be quite forgiving. And I think you have to be quite forgiving of people generally at the moment. When people are a bit rude or getting all a bit close and you, you're going, oh, you're all idiots. Why are you all idiots? you know everyone's a little bit kind of edgy still so you've got to be quite quick to forgive yeah and, and i always think the correct response when i kind of like am there face to face with a with an interviewee either across the internet like this or in person they go so so D dr squee wh what is it you do and that is the correct <laughs> response to me i have no objection <laughs> it's all right isn't it? what is this why why am i here again yeah, man in his early 40s calling himself Dr. Squee. Explain yourself. Fine, <laughs> that is exactly the correct response to me. It's good to get a doctor and a professor together. A doctor and a exactly. professor. Two professionals absolutely outstanding in their respective fields of whatever it is. Finally meeting. Exactly. Together at last, I believe they've been saying. <laughs> oh, people have been waiting for this moment. Finally, it's The here. amount of scholars watching right now. Whoa. I mean, 2020 and 2021 haven't been great for a lot of people, but just I think knowing that this interview is going to happen at some point, I think it's kept a lot of people going. I mean, some said the brain trust, though some may be on this stream right now, but that's another story. <laughs> exactly, exactly, sir. Oh, marvellous. <laughs> uh, I did quickly want to get onto as well, like you've literally travelled the world doing this, what kind of uh, some of the places you've been to, and how well does the professor, which is so quintessentially British and English, how does that go down the rest of the world? Oh, it's generally quite nice, again, because it's quite a weird thing. You know, I, didn't, I did played inside a mountain in Sweden and like kind of sleazy cafes in Paris. And, or just I've been lucky enough to travel all over the place. Um, I did do a series of gigs in Cambodia, um, which came about very unusually. And... Probably, probably one of the worst. This is worse than the book wanted to beat me up that I didn't know about. I did a gig in Cambodia. It's kind of big sort of auditorium. Um, and I'd done my main show. The guy brought me over there. And I was backstage. We were just watching the gig because it was the sort of Cambodian equivalent of Beyonce. Loads like you know, a couple of thousand kids watching her. Uh, and uh, it was really good. And then the guy who was promoting that show and promoting me said, all right, Paul, um, while you're here, why don't you go on next? And I said, but 
she's the main act and she's like you know like a pop star and i'm me that's that's a i don't know if that's the best idea because like before i could do it but after would be weird and she finished with like lights explosions smoke and then the DJ sort of stuck on everything stops for tea, and I sort of came prancing out unannounced. <laughs> Hello, everybody! And um, when I started, I don't know what it was uh, exactly culturally that was so very bad, but people literally ran away. And there was like a lot of people in that room. Some of them start, and genuinely, some of the children started crying. And standing there in, in a huge shed in Cambodia, I feel <laughs> well. This is about as far as I could take this. Fantastic. <laughs> um, we're, we're like uh, running out of time, so we're going to go to our final video before I just have a quick more, bit more of a chat with you. Uh, this is The Cat's Pajamas. Tell us about this one. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, this is with Mr. Frisbee. I've got an album with him coming out next, actually. Uh, and yeah, this is just a nice, this is a nice song. This is for you. This is whoever you are that's hearing these words. This is dedicated to you for making it through the last year. Well done. <laughs> There we oh. are. Only just a small clip of that. I will try that again. I don't know if it'll play, if there's an error on the video or if I've just pressed the wrong button. But let's try that again. <laughs> now, if you enjoyed that repeated 10 seconds of that track please check it out wherever you stream <laughs> please feel free music. to watch the full version at somewhere <laughs> i don't know i will admit i had to i have to use a kind of compression compression device to kind of get mm. this onto here so obviously something's gone wrong with that and i like a bull did not check it hey oh christ everything's fine uh well you can still watch it on the youtube ladies and gentlemen if i, I imagine you've got the internet everything's going to be fine you can catch up with it there I'm, I'm sadly going to have to go because my yeah. child sense is tingling. And I don't mean that in the sister way that it came out, but more than my own kids I know need to see me before bedtime uh, so I can shout at them uh, to get in their child cage and shut up. That sounds very good. Sir, just very quickly before you do go, though, where can they check you out online? You've got kind of albums. You've got a few podcast episodes, which we'll have to talk about another time. Where can they check that all out? <laughs> Oh, the, the hub for it all is either professorelemental.com or uh, on Patreon. I spend a lot of time on Patreon, having a nice time there. And it's just patreon.com slash professorelemental. Streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and whenever, wherever you stream or buy your music, please do get it now. It's absolutely wonderful. Professor Elemental, thank you very much for joining me today. This has been absolutely wonderful fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute genuine pleasure. Thanks, John. Hopefully we'll meet again in the real world. Please check out our stream tomorrow as well with uh, Mr. B, the gentleman, Ryan, sorry, Zan Twitch. That guy as well. Uh, yes. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, come and join us. Um, and it's going to be four o'clock on Instagram Live. That's GMT. Uh, sorry, BST. BST. We're in BST. <laughs> Thank you.
Got a new suit, you don't something there. Got a brand new dress or fresh underwear. You should never ever be left unaware. But you're hard to beat, got a lovely smile. That makes me want to be worth your while. I asked around, did a quick survey. You came in first from Friday to Thursday. For skiving a work day, you're the best company. Every day's your birthday. You deserve luxury. Cock of the walk, top of the tree. You totally rock, you've got what you need. Whatever you're doing's getting done today. Whether it's thunder or a sunny day. And whatever came before's not a factor. Anything in the future doesn't matter. Because you... To chat you up, just back you up, make sure you're standing up. To give you a hand, to grab as it's tough, to stand or the hand you have some love. Have I said too much? Well, I doubt it. Looking for a mountain so I can shout it. When it comes to the fun, I'm done waiting. Invite everyone to the celebration. There's free cake and there's no one hating. For heaven's sake, we just love your cadence. You're the bullfrog's beard, the elephant's adenoid, the hummingbird's ear, the sardine's whisker, the dog's best book. You're the hen's front teeth, you're the butterfly's book, you're a tuppany and pippin, the very thing. On a mission to tell you you're everything. You're not Sensational, I'm in your corner, I'll take them all If it doesn't get the world, that's fine with me Until everyone takes time to see that you was Professor Elemental, The Cat's Pajamas. We got to it in the end. What a wonderful interview uh, with the prof there. So we're now on straight into our other interview. We've got no time to dally. So this is now my interview from a few days ago with Alex Reed. Enjoy. We're welcoming someone who is a mixed martial artist, an actor, a celebrity Big Brother winner, and he hails from just down the road from us here in Hampshire. Please welcome to the Double Squeeze Show, Alex Reed. How are you doing today, sir? Hello, Dr. Squee. Are you actually a doctor? Uh, you know, the license is still under review, so we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> How you doing? Nice to, yeah, nice good, to thanks. talk to you. A fellow Hampshire, Hampshire. I'm a Londoner now, but born and bred in Aldershot, home of the British Army, full of squaddies. Hey. And I'd often we, go we... down to Southampton. Yeah. 
Well, they can take you out of Hampshire, but you can't take the Hampshire out of the man. Isn't that what they say? That's it. That's it. They can take the boy out of the shot, but you can't take the shot out of the boy. <laughs> yes. All the shot gets a bit of a bad rap these days. As people call it something else. All the sh- yeah. I, I, not that that's fighting talk for me, but I'm like, and lots of people um, don't want to be in all the shot. I mean, I love all the shot. I love where hey, I come from. I love how I, I love would look. I would not be disrespectful about older shot, and I certainly won't be to a man of your size. No, oh, I'm, I'm not big. How big? What's how tall are you? Oh, I don't know about big. It's just I've been seeing the pictures of you from your uh, oh. MMA days, especially. Uh, that, yeah, that was a different life, different person. You say you call me MMA athlete. I would. I mean, that's a different, like a different world. I was a look. I've always been an actor. I'm a, I'm a darling, a thespian. And even though I've had 300 fights, that's just another acting role to take on. As a bullied, scared kid who wanted to pretend to be tough, to be accepted and loved. But now, now I know I'm tough. I don't need to go and fight men in cages and do silly things. You know, not saying that fighting men in cages is silly, but for, for a 45-year-old young, 45 young man, it's, it's a bit silly these days. Unless you're going to pay me a rather large sum of money. Would you fight for a rather large sum of money? I think I might be tempted, but I don't think I do as well as you, sir. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you fight someone the same standard. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Even then, like uh, your solution to, um, you know, feeling a bit insecure and feeling bullied was to go out and be a MMA fighter. Mine was to eat a lot. So I think we went down very different paths very early on. But all right, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a scenario in your head. I'm um, I'm uh, Dana White or I'm Don, the that big black dude who's got the who's the big boxing promoter. I can't think what his name is. Um, Don King. Don King, and I'm right. You're going to fight Mike Tyson. You're literally going to fight Mike Tyson. I'm going to pay you a million pounds. Yeah, I I don't think I'd survive it. I I don't think no, it'd be no, worth but, a million. Well, I don't think you probably would either. But I mean, it's a million pounds. <laughs> uh, I know, like but I want to see tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you probably won't, and you probably could be in a hospital, but I mean, for a million pounds, come on. <laughs> Man, you may have just discovered live on this interview that I'm a million pound coward. <laughs> oh, a million pounds. I don't know. I reckon I could convince you. Money. Money talks. Money talks. Money talks. Yeah. Don't. Anyway, I'm not going to say. Yes. So, like, you, I, I think that's a wonderful way of describing it, that Miss um, Martial Arts was just another role, but yeah, how, how do you end up uh, going down that avenue? Uh, from what I've read, it, you started off doing uh, Kung Fu and Karate and then kind of led on from there? Yeah. As um bully kid, um, I would escape being bullied by, you know, uh, into, being in, into an imaginary fantasy world of dungeons and dragons and superheroes. And... Um, other superheroes, real life superheroes, people like Bruce Lee, Jean Claude Van Damme, Rambo, um, Terminator. You know, they, those were the sort of people that um, shaped me as a young young man. I wanted to be a tough guy, and also it was a bit of a vigilante. I wanted to be like Batman or Edward Woodward, the Equalizer. And having seen lots of horrible things, I was also uh, I was always a warrior in the sense of. I wanted to protect people and stand up for what was right. I watched too much He-Man as a kid. Did you? I don't know. How young are you? 
I'm much the same vintage, uh, just just a couple of years behind, but not very, by very much at all. So yeah, He-Man's totally in my wheelhouse. And He-Man was a good guy. He was a little bit homoerotic in his like bondage outfit, in his fluffy pants and Ugg boots, going around slaying people um, with his magic sword. And he's clearly on steroids. But I mean, that's what shows <laughs> kids. I've got to go and fight the and bad guys. You went from that role model to MMA. I can't see any links myself. <laughs> well, I don't slay people with my magic sword, and I don't wear fluffy Ugg boots. <laughs> no, 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 that's true. That's true. Uh, but uh, you know, to any anyone could end up going down that path. But to take it to what, the fluffy extreme, Ugg boots. that's possible too. <laughs> but... <laughs> and bondage outfits. <laughs> but there's there has to be something different about someone who ends up being a three hundred fight champion. That's that's not a bad kind of record for someone who was just trying to escape the bullets. Yeah, I don't really know what the question is. Tell me, ask us. I guess, I guess the question is. Sorry, no, good point. Um, question is, what then drove you to not just do it, but to become kind of quite dominant in that world, to become kind well, of a champion? Um, that's that wasn't me. Um, it's not that like I'm schizophrenic. I do believe we all have different multiple personalities. We're different people to different in different situations. Um, the stress and horrible things that happened to me i'd become a different character i've just recently discovered i uh, i wouldn't say suffer because i don't say it's suffer i was born with it autism um yeah. and it i've learned a lot about it i've always become diff these different characters in different situations i mean everybody does you're a different person to your children to a different person to your lover to the to person down the pub to someone on the building site or to your boss but even more so I, you know, an early age, I'd become different people because of to just to, to be able to cope, coping mechanisms and tolerate and to feel, feel okay about myself. So you know, I'm super confident, but there's another part of me, and there's a little boy inside crying, like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, which, which is great if you want to be an actor. Because guess what? That's what I love doing, acting. Because you get to pretend to be different people. And you get to use all these different emotions in a great medium. To so It's very cathartic as well. You yeah. know, when, you, when you're playing someone who's really fucked up, excuse my language for any little people out there, um, you start to understand your own craziness. And it's, it's quite healing. And do you think it's the same kind of drive that led you to acting, the kind of like escapism of it all? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise it was escapism. I just wanted to... I mean, what kid doesn't... Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, as a kid, I would always pretend to be a knight in shining armour or a spaceman or a cowboy or, or all, all sorts of different things. You pretend to be different people or you'd play with your little toys and I'd create imaginary worlds before we are all glued to what we're looking on now, a computer or a smartphone or an iPhone in the days when we actually used our imagination. Um, and so I was always pretending to be different things and it was such a fun, fun thing. So for me, acting was just a way of not having to really grow up. I still get to pretend to play. I mean, it's funny, I, I look at scripts now and I see, um, I think, well, they're proper actors. They're not, I'm not a real actor. Those are proper, they've got real juicy, meaty roles. I like, and I sometimes get very scared when I see a script. Well, oh, could I do this? And as I was, I was just watching, I was just watching um, the Marvel series, uh, 
Can you hear Heaven me? And the Winter Soldier or um, One no. Division? One Division. One Division. I mean, how brilliant are those actors in that one? Um, I can't think of the name. The English actor who plays Vision. Paul Bettany. That's it. Fabulous actor. And and the lady who plays uh, Wonder. I mean, I was really wow. They look. I can do that. I mean, I and I see myself doing that. Um, and I I've actually played similar roles to that. But I mean, why I say that's daunting is because they're the lead. The whole show rests on them. It's like being the the lead in a and they've got massive dialogue and such backstories and they're showing all these. That's just wonderful. So I find it intimidating and scary. But me sitting here right now, well, can I do that? Well, listen, I'm a guy who's also got in a cage with um, world, world class, world champions to fight. And I'm like, that's bloody scary as well. But I still did it. You know, I jumped out of airplanes as a paratrooper. That was really scary. I'm never going to be able to do that. I mean, we all have those moments. Tell me if you do. And you think, you've, I can't ever do that. And then you, I don't know, I don't know you. Master Squee, Doctor Squee, but um, have you, I don't know what you've accomplished in your life, but have you done things where you think, oh, I can never do that, and then you look back on it, well, I, I knuckled down and did it. You get, you, yes. there's like a little boy scared sometimes. I've got to go and pretend to be a real grown up today. <laughs> I can tell you an example from my day to day. Uh, when I was at school, I used to be so scared of reading because, uh, like you, I was bullied. Uh, I wasn't a confident reader, I had dyslexia. And uh, reading out loud in front of the um, kind of class, they always used to do the little wind-up symbol just to, to kind of uh, get to me. And today I was kind of reading out a story in a team meeting in my day job. And just, just there was a moment when I thought, I'm actually doing this in front of a team which I'm a team leader for. And it's just, uh, it's those little moments sometimes. It may not be mi mixed martial arts in front of me, yeah. going through some of my sides, but it's an I achievement. Hear I hear what you say. I mean, that, that happens to me as well. I mean, I mean people people always say about mixed martial arts like it's a really amazing big thing and it, it i mean to me it is now when i see i've in the background i've got um i've not watching as much uh give me one second i've got my missus in the background and i can hear her that's part of my autism you know if i could, if someone's having a conversation all i could i might focus on sound so if you could just bear with me for 30 seconds I'll just... of course, sir. so come on uh, this has to be kind of a good message to anyone who's watching. Maybe he's experiencing bully who or has in the past. I'm back. You can be a mixed martial artist with it. You can read a story out to a group of people. These things can happen. I just thought I'd take the moment for an inspirational message to the people. Good. good. That, that's for me. I, I, with, I've noticed this. If I hear a little sound, it really distracts me, unless I'm in character, uh, which, and that, you know, because that, that could be very dangerous as an actor. You're on stage. And somebody's, wait, hang on a minute, you're getting actually heckled. People are, you're, you're trying to go over your lines and someone's heckling you. I, I'm, I'm all right on film. I tell you why I'm film, because you know you have the comfort of you could do another take. You can't do another take on stage live. Um, that's why I liked One Division as well, because it, I have done a live studio audience while I film. I did a, a show many years called um, My Hero with Ardler Hamill. Yes. I was, it was, uh, it was a superhero and I was the 2000 and it was 2002, blimey, um, Ultron special new edition of the, of, and I, he got a new body, but that was tough, but I did it because you, you, you've got your lines, you've got the, you're doing it in camera, but then 
that's why I took my I take my hat off to the one division guys because that was that was hard. But yeah, I I mean, listen, I fought in a cage. If I can do that, if I've jumped out of airplanes and done other crazy stuff, I can. Yeah, I can do that. And where did the acting start? Where did you first get the bug? Oh, that's interesting. So, school nativity play. Were you in a school nativity play? I was indeed. Who were you? I was a shepherd, I believe, and I played um, Jason with the coat in a fashion parade that they put in. It might not have been true to the original script quite. Why not? You got a, I like a, I love a school nativity play. What was I the first year? I was a, a wise man. And the second year, I was Angel Gabriel. And I don't want to be Angel Gabriel. I'm not. Angel Gabriel's a girl. Angels are girls. I'm like, I'm not having that. I'm not dressing up. We're not going to go down the dressing up route, <laughs> but I'm going to say <laughs> uh, I did not want to be Angel Gabriel. I thought that was like all sissy and weak. And I'm like, then I was told like uh, sometimes, well, you know, he's a warrior angel. He's like a badass. I was like, oh, he's growing on me a bit now. And he was a dude. I'm like, okay. You know, I was, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be an angel Gabriel. And I was like, yeah, I quite liked it. I was the star of the show. And then the second show I did, uh, play school play i i was chosen to be the star king george saint george sorry saint george and up and i loved i remember i must be eight years old i loved everybody looking at me and me having the starring role and being the i thought this is wonderful my ego absolutely loved it and from that moment i wanted to be an actor just it was being alive it was the adulation I from that moment I wanted I craved the the glory and the adulation. I I didn't crave fame so much. I mean that's nice, and I feel by Joe I got that didn't I? But what I I did like being patted on the back and having accomplished something. It's a bit like the cage fighting. I mean all all well all the other. I've only had fifty cage fights. I've only had fifty cage fights. That's quite a lot. I've had bad. There's quite a few, isn't it? Um, uh, but. The, when you when you win, when you hear a crowd cheering for you, it's it's awe inspiring, and it was yeah. for someone who was bullied and was um, didn't feel accepted. That was what I, that's what that was my elixir. That was my vampire blood, so to speak. That's what kept me going. You know, I I, I loved the the, the I was, wow. Look, they actually like me. So it draws you on. But I didn't really like myself. I was, I was, and when this is getting a little bit heavy and spiritual, when you're always searching for outside acceptance, you're never going to accept yourself. But I'm, I'm finally starting to do that at 45 years young. So where did that, where does that work start to uh, happen? Where you change your view of yourself and you start uh, winning yourself over to you? With a lot of sorrow and a lot of um, painful moments, and I'm. Um, let me ask you the question. Please. Do you look back on your life and you look and you think, oh, God, what a crap. Why did I do that? Or it, yep. do we all look at pictures of what was I wearing? Or just, just being purely, when you're looking at yourself with ego and you're like, you, and you, it doesn't really matter what we look like, but we always look at pictures of ourselves, and we don't like pictures of ourselves. Or, or we listen to a video, we put a playback, and oh, don't I sound terrible? You know, you, we forget ourselves. 
if you're conscious of that, you can recorrect yourself. And then you start doing it, but you're not really being real. Yeah, I, I started to look at myself and be very judgmental. I think there's a large degree when someone has been bullied, and I, I've experienced this, I know this from a lot of friends who went through that experience too, of you kind of, your, your esteem gets, self-esteem gets so destroyed, and then you have these moments of trying to burst through, but they can be uncomfortable because it's almost like you're fighting against this safe self-image. And it sounds like a bit of that's what you're talking about there. A million percent. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you, you actually asked me a question. I went off on a tangent. I'm oh, sorry. What was the question? You know what? I don't remember, but yeah. I, I'm enjoying the conversation much yeah, more so than any question. I, I went off, and that's a problem. I go off on such tangents. Um, and I, again, again, I don't want to keep going about autism, but a reason why I'm, I'm finding it fascinating, it's, an, it's like a new journey. Although I've had, I've had it since I was born, now I've only just, all right, that, that makes... I will go off on a tangent and start talking about something, and I'll, I, there's a reason why I'm talking about it because it's connected. But then I'll forget what the actual first subject was. And I've seen so many of these interviews I've done, and I'm like, and I, what's he talking about? And then I'll come back to your question, which you were talking about at the end of the session. So hopefully we'll remember it somehow. It will come back, and that's quite an autistic tra a trait, apparently. Uh, if that's an autistic trait, then it helps me greatly with an interview because I want a conversation, not just a string of questions. It's much yeah. more interesting. Yeah, a million percent. It's, but yeah. I often, do you know what? When I've done these interviews on TV where you've got like maybe, I think, seven minutes on a talk show to get your point out, to promote something, and I'm there and I'm like, shit, I didn't even mention the bloody subject that I'm on there for. <laughs> so, I mean, I've learned through a lot of pain. Oh, that's, that's, that's something we were talking about. How, why did I start changing? I've had suffered a lot of pain and a lot of silly mistakes. Um, I've learned by not getting out. I've got seven minutes to get my message across and I haven't told it. So you learn after a while, after, excuse my language, fucking up. Right. I haven't got long here. I need to make an impact. This is what I've got to say. This is, stick to the mission, Reed. Stick to the mission. What's the mission? Oh. What is the mission? I can't remember anymore, but it's we're having fun. This is quite fun, isn't it? It's nice, isn't it? It's fun. This is good. And we'll get on to the mission, which is, of course, your new film, um, Sensation, which is on Amazon Prime on the 16th of April. And we are going to talk about it, but we've got some other stuff I want to get into first. See, I'll help you with the mission as well, because I want to be a team player here. Uh, so right. One thing, I, I, I hope that this is accurate, because I found this on IMDb and they were always a little bit shaky, but... Is it true you popped up as a German policeman in Tomorrow Never Never Dies? Oh blimey, yeah, that's right. Gosh, James Bond, come on now. That was he was lovely. Uh, who was that? Was Pierce Brosnan? He was. Yeah. He was. He. Um, I did a lot of extra work as a young man. As I just left the army, and um, in films, they always want soldiers, and. Um, it's great. I made not bad money as well. I think I probably made more money as an extra than I have done as an actor, because although you're not earning as much, you're working all the time, and it and it's fun. You're on all these different films, and I. But what I remember was having seen the very first film I did was Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone, but it Piers Brosnan stood out because he was very kind and lovely, and he was pleasant to the the small people. Uh, you know, not that I feel a small people, but in terms of the film industry and he was it was yeah that was great that was fun brilliant um and the other one you did Hollyoaks for a year period was that is that correct 
Right, you're right, that? Yeah, that's it. That, that was an actual, that was my first reasonably decent role. Um, it seems like series. such an experience to do something where you've kind of got to get so many shows out. And uh, I, I'm always in awe of that, kind of the amount of output done by uh, a soap opera like that. Oh, yeah. The, the, it's a fast turnaround. So you, you're learning to, you have to be quick and on the money. And that's stressful. It, I mean, I, having been on done film, you've got the luxury of taking your time for a um, for a scene. But in a in soaps, if you don't get it right, they just like. Oh, I remember once it was the most horrible. A young, very young, freshly out of acting school actor on the set of Hollyoaks. My second second uh, episode, and I just couldn't get my lines. Oh, and it's and uh, I was thinking of. This isn't good. This isn't good. I need to make an impression. And that's the worst thing you can think. You're not. You're not in the in the in your role. You're 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 concentrating on. You're, you're feeling your blood pressure rise. You're totally stressed out. It's the most horrible experience in the world. But it, it character building though. Character building. How do, how do you build yourself up in a moment like that? We just have to survive. I've seen other. It happens to other actors as well. Um, and it's well, hopefully, and hopefully, you get the callback that you don't because you don't muck it up so bad. Oh, he's no good, he's you know, it's that's and that happens to so many people, you know. And I've I've done some great, I was a terrible actor when I started Hollyoaks. By the, by the end of the year, I was actually reasonably good. I thought, okay, I wasn't like, um, well, I was good at soap acting. Which is, you know, you know, you know how to, you, you just get, you get good at a job, don't you? Repetition. But it, then there's play, doing a play, you know, or um, being the lead in a feature film. That's something else. I mean, a feature, listen, I've been the lead in some films, but it's, there's a difference between the lead in a film, which is 20 grand to a film that's 20 mil. Yeah, you see what I mean, and that's where I hope things are going to be going, and they're, they're, they are starting to. I've let's talk about my acting career. Um, I swallowed the stupid celebrity pill, thinking that was great, and that just is destruct so destructive for my acting. I made lots of money as a celebrity without going into the ins and outs of it, but it it's it's I call it. It's. I was addicted to the fame pipe, not the crack pipe, and it's. It's a giving you serotonin, dopamine. Look at me, I'm great, I'm amazing. But then it's a fast decline. And what is what celebrity does to an actor is terrible because you're no longer a viable commodity because if you're in the papers all the time. So I've I've spent years trying to avoid celebrity, and and salacious tacky media. Um, no one can ever completely avoid it, but I mean, I don't choose to go into that now. And I, I now have inner peace, which is, although I'm not as young and not as, um, I've missed some opportunities. I now feel great in the respect of, I feel reborn because I'm actually, I feel confident in many respects because I know myself and I trust myself. And the most important thing, all of, why? Because I accept myself. 
And with that, I'm like, okay, do all right, Alex Reed, Alexander Reed, as I'm Alexander the actor. Um, yeah, I'm all right. When you start to realise and actually love yourself, properly love yourself, then it's a very freeing thing. It doesn't matter if you fuck up because, like, well, it does. It does matter. I mean, but it it's not as important. Hey, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that period of fame, like, so it seems like Celebrity Big Brother would have been the epoch of that. That seems like such a, an interesting experience. So when you went in, uh, one of the first things you said was you wanted to turn the booze into cheers yeah. at the reaction of the audience. Um, tell us a bit about your feeling at that time. Uh, I, wasn't off, I was off my head, not on drugs, but on the situation. I mean, every, anyone would be. It was surreal. Um, I had some notoriety fame from my martial arts. I've already had, at that point, 300 fights. That was 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Um, I don't know how many I've had since, you know. But I had some minor celebrity because of my martial I've done some acting as well. I'd already done Hollyoaks and a, a few films here and there. But I, it was a small bit. I was a small time. But all of a sudden, I'm catapulted everywhere because of certain relationships and salacious media it's wow you know it was it was I, I've, I've said it many times i call it the lsd years i wasn't taking lsd um having taken lsd uh, many many moons ago it is the only thing i could compare life to life wasn't real it, it could, i mean imagine being going outside everyone knows who you are everyone um and it, that's weird. And that wasn't me being big-headed. It's like, that's how it felt. Or yeah. you go, and everyone, and it's nice some of the time, and it's like, it's really great for your ego, but then you can't turn it off. And yeah. uh, ever, ever. And then it turns bad and nasty. So it's, it's, yeah. And then there was a lot of horrible stuff, which uh, I'm not going to make, make this negative uh, interview, but I checked, there was so much sadness and there still is utter sadness. There's some things I will talk about. Um, the ex-wife um, was, did a massive revenge porn campaign, um, which is horrendous. And it's, it's, it's so much sadness. I kind of let that go in my head. But it, the injustice of someone who, who fights for trolling and bullying, and I've been so trolled and bullied. And that was nearly... I'm not trying to make this... Um, uh, an anti-hate campaign against her but it's what it did it, it it almost destroyed me and my family and everything i was building up you know because i was in a very high profile relationship and then that broke down and then i became the and i'm sure in any relationship it's it's not 50 50 in terms of it's not sorry all one side it's 50 50 in terms of yeah. problems and scenarios but I mean, I've, I became the scapegoat, and in and in another relationship, I another high-profile relationship, it's like I jumped from the frying pan into the fire, um, and and there's some, still some real sadness there, which I I can't for legal reasons go into, but I can tell you, this is what I can tell you, the sadness has, I've used as a positive energy to make me form a foundation called the Bob Reed Foundation, which, which is a foundation for parents who are struggling in the family courts, which I can tell you is 
there's so much injustice and it's not helping this current system is as, as someone who wanted to be a soldier to fight for freedom and to make the world a better place but not kill kids in other countries and i left the army this is now my fight to to help society because it's ingrained across the whole world there's a few countries who've got it right but the family court systems across the world are horrendous and they're causing misery and there's people who are profiting off this misery um big companies you know and the government knows about this for instance i'm not going to go on and on about this i'll talk about this very quickly there's there's a company called cms um child maintenance service and understandably when a partner splits up with another partner they if someone's working they need to provide for the child so they have to pay money but there's so much corruption and this is evidentially backed this isn't me talking i've i've done all i've got many groups many politicians involved there's 2900 suicides a year due to cms inflated arrears and this is causing people they can't pay they're left with no money to live on and they've already got they've got other children other relationships now all right because that's a lot of suicide what does each suicide cost the taxpayer the cost this is horrendous 1.7 million so how is this good for our economy and society this is in our country in holland or is it denmark i'm never quite sure if it's holland or denmark uh, i think it's holland the the government the parliament completely resigned over the same issues or what's going on here and it's much worse here because of the scandal which was going on with their version of cms or csa child support agency and i don't want to go on but, but why i'm why i'm talking about this because all this pain and misery has made me right okay let's use let's use this let's use this pain um i've gone on to form a foundation a bit like fathers to justice and that helps me and i hope one day helps change this law and society because it's yeah. and it, who am i to change anything i'm just i'm just that plonker idiot who's you know blah blah hold a minute maybe it takes a plonker idiot the crazy people who think they can change society to change it i mean for evil to exist a good man does nothing and i can't sit by and i and i have some very powerful allies now yeah it makes me sad but moving on getting away from that which is why that's the serious side of me so what was i say i use all of this all of this all of this pain and suffering um i use in my acting which is great um so and i've got lots of positive things coming up i mean it's been as an actor it's been absolute crap for the last year or so because something's been going on in the world it's um uh, i've held all these projects and they're all like are they actually going to happen you know yeah it's a frustrating time i mean um, just quickly before we forget before we move on uh bob reed foundation how can people find out about that where can people uh, find out more you google it www.bobreedfoundation.com and if you need help we're there anybody going through the family courts having trouble i wish i had when i was going through it all like it had the advice of what what you what to do what to not do you know um yeah 
and hopefully oh, save sorry. some money because uh, it's there's it's a corrupt business. You know, it's getting the right advice. But let's let's inform you so you have the right advice. I wish I'd had it, and I wouldn't have had. I mean, I think every single person in my foundation at some point, and it's very common, has had suicidal thoughts. It's very, very common and normal, and that shouldn't be normal. But it is because the the absolute misery. So what we're trying to do is help society. I mean, because it can't carry on. All of this pain and misery. It all seems to kind of fit in with your journey, really, because it seems like uh, you went through all this kind of uncertainty, all this kind of uh, trying to reclaim something from bullying. Then you go into a situation whereby you're trying to get the fame because that's kind of attention, which is kind of quite common amongst people being bullied. And now you're trying to transform that into positive energy to give out as opposed to take in. Like the the it starts with you, it doesn't come to you. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. It's a really kind of cool journey, and and it does seem like um, spring back just slightly to this, but like with celebrity big brother, it just seems like such a it gets people when they're in that cycle, when they're trying to, to get the attention. And then it, it's part of a wider problem, I think. How do you feel about it now you get a bit away from that Big Brother journey and even winning it? How does it feel now looking back on that? What do you mean? How does it feel? Well, it's like at the time, obviously, that's what you really crave was to, to get there, to get that attention, yeah. to, get the, so, to win Big Brother. But do you still feel the same way about it now looking back uh, years later? Well... Um, I had like a mind man that he would help me out for my fights and all that sort of stuff to get my head thinking. And as an athlete, you, you have a coach in the gym to make you lift heavier weights. You have a coach to make my mind think better. And even though it wasn't a fight, I almost treated it like a fight or like a, a big competition. And it, well, it was a competition, um, which I won. I didn't want to go in. I wasn't going to go in the day before. I remember having a conversation with my mind man. And he convinced me to go in. I said, look, I, as much as I like all this, I don't, this isn't what I'm signed up. I don't want to be famous for being famous. I'm like, this, this isn't me. This isn't. And guess what? Um, I think that's why I won it because I was real. I didn't, I wasn't a celebrity. I became one. I was in the press all the time, nonstop. And then, then the, the celebrity bug got me. The, like a like a like a disease, and it did change me for a while. And it's only it's only till the last few years that I've got back out of that. It's almost had a not quite ten years. Um, oh, no, I would say when my when my daughter was born, I sobered up. I started sobering up of the drug of celebrity. So my daughter's oh she'd be nine in in June. So that's when I started to slowly sober up. And over the last few years, I'm like, it's not like I don't detest celebrity. I mean, I, I would still do a celebrity show or something if it was the right thing. And I've turned down lots of things. Um, it's that, yeah, it's, I, I think it's, it's not congruent, it's not um, congruent with the way I want to go, which is acting. I love acting. And for me to, as an actor, I get to nudge souls. I get to tap people. Come on, wake up. I get to tell stories. And it's the biggest, best medium bar none. I think, well, films are. So that You can really influence people's lives and change society for the better. 
And that's my that's my goal now. That's why I like being an actor. And I love the fact that you get to do so many different things with it. So the the new film which we're going to be talking about is Sensation. Again, Amazon Prime on the 16th of April, just coming up very soon. And you're you're playing kind of the heavy, but it's yeah. kind of in this world of a very surreal kind of um like how would you describe the film? It's very difficult okay, to put okay, into words. Okay, so I auditioned for this role. Um and yeah. I, the film looked great because it was like a secret society of like ex um I think it was like ex Nazis and they were like um they've not they're no longer Nazis, they've formed what they've gone on to uh form their own secret society and they're doing experiments on on conjoined twins for to see and I'm sure this sort of horrible stuff went on. I've not done mega re actually I did do some research. They did they did horrible things. Um yeah but that you could see how they were trying to understand telepathy and I thought this is great. So I, I saw this character, I thought this is quite good, quite quite a juicy role. It wasn't the heavy. It wasn't the heavy. I, so I'm reading this role and I set up my audition tape and like, oh, liked it. So I, I, I got the role. I was like, yes. I go to the first audition. I probably shouldn't be saying this. And I'm looking at my role and I'm like, um, this isn't the one I read. This character's got like four lines. <laughs> Hang on. I read, I read for this role. Basically, they wanted... A, a Jaws-like character that, that who could act. They wanted to know I could act. So yeah. I, I think I've got four or five lines throughout the whole film. I'm, I'm in it all the way through. Yeah. I was like, oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a hell of an acting challenge, though, to, to yeah. be, be on screen so much and yeah. say so low. I think that's actually yeah. a really difficult yeah. thing yeah. for an actor. Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, I've, I, I, accept, I mean, it was kind of relaxing after a while because I wasn't having. You, you don't have the same pressure as the others. I mean, I still, I still got to get my time, my lines. That's just why I go back to One Division because they had so much to do. They had to do dance moves and martial arts and as actors and put on different voices and characters. I was very and then uh, wire work and I've done bits of all of this and I was like. Uh, I was kind of a bit annoyed and upset. I mean, I was happy because I'm working. And yeah. I said to my agent, I said, right, do you know what? You don't have to do it. I said, well, do you know what? I quite like the role. It's it's it, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm doing something I love. It's getting me back out there. You know, it's... And it was a great film. I mean, it was... I loved the story. I was just obviously disappointed because I didn't have a juicy, juicy lines. I mean, my role, though, I mean, so specific through the whole film. Let's look at yeah. there's a look at how many lines does Terminator have? Arnold Schwarzenegger having Terminator. Yeah, I thought, yeah. okay. That's a, a, and then there's Christopher Walken, one of my favourite actors. He played that act that he played um, a horror film, um, something Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where and he he didn't speak throughout the whole film, and he he was like the bag. He was like the the monster character who was Sleepy Hollow. He, he had his head off, and he, it was really weird. He doesn't even speak. Such a character, and I thought, okay, if they could do it, <laughs> I'm comparing myself to Schwarzenegger and Christopher Walken. But listen, the film was great. I mean, it, it was. I found it very interesting. It's um, yeah. There's kind um, of a lot of twist near the end, which is all I'll say. And it's very kind of like um, yeah. very twisty and turny. Kind of, you're never quite sure what's going on until right at the end, which I love about it. 
I mean, I and I, I've, I have seen it now. I've seen it myself. Um, I wasn't sure how it was going to be. I was like, I actually, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I've, I've been in a few films, and I'm like, I don't generally like watching my own stuff because I can't believe it. I like to go in a film and not believe it. Not, and I'm not, not forget that it's I'm where I am and have that escapism. A bit like I used to go into different characters and become different to escape reality. Well, now I actually like to escape reality by going and watching a film. But when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I could, I could, that bit's a bit, I'm being so critical. I can't, you know, I'm like, this is crap. This is no, yeah, any film I'm in, you know, I'm so, like, I can't switch off. Oh, Jesus, I mean, I've done this as well, because I've done a few films now. And I'm, I forget where I am. Oh, my God, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird when you're watching a film and you're like you forget and all of a sudden you turn up oh my god I forgot I was in this <laughs> that's great that's great when that happens that's um that, that's yeah it's only happened a couple of times I hope much more I mean I've got I've got a few projects in the pipeline but come on COVID yeah anything hoping... you're allowed to tell us about at the moment no no, ah, no, so no, close, so I, close. But I will, I will, if and when. Well, I well, it's not a question of if; it's a question of when. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm, get, I'm yeah. definitely getting the feeling that's with you. It's not if; it's when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. As uh, so, sir, look, just to do a bit of it. an NCNDA. <laughs> that's cool. big. That's that means it's yeah. I, I know but NDA, but NCNDA. Non-circumvent. Ah. No, I mean, look, I mean, but I mean, look, who, I'm not going to get, I'm not even getting excited because with what's going on in the world, it's like, it's a scary time. Uh, and I don't mean because of something COVID related, dying. I'm talking about working. Yeah. You know, I also yeah. run boot camps as well. I mean, I'm a, I'm just going off to run a boot camp now. Um, and I love boot camps because I love my fitness and health and it's uh, because acting is as much as I love it. It's not been, um, it's, you know, it's, it's not been much of it. because <laughs> of, And that's not because of lack of ability. That's because of something going on in the world. You know, I mean, stuff is still getting made though, but it's yeah. costing a lot more, you know, and it's a lot more um, red tape, so to speak. Quickly, before we wrap this up, I did want to just because um, I really appreciate your story and kind of how you've kind of got it, got out from under bullying as as I did myself. What would your advice be to someone who's watching this who's maybe struggling with issues around bullying from everything you've learned? Well, it. I mean, my first thing, my first port of call, it depends who, what character you are. I would first learn a martial art, but you might not, you might, that might not be your temperament. You might not be able to. And bullying isn't always just physical. It can be, it's so much more psychological. And it doesn't, You, I mean, you could be the best fighter in the world and you still get bullied. So, but the, the thing is, the thing with the martial arts, when you truly learn yourself, your pressure valve get, increases. And I teach children martial arts and it's not so much teaching them how to be badasses, which is great. You know, it's great. But to be badasses in their mind in in the sense of acceptance learning how to use their mind rather than and, and be strong 
I would rather have a gun and never need to use it than be in a situation where I'm about to get murdered. Um, and I'm, and I, I'm not talking, I'm talking metaphorically with yeah. martial arts, martial arts of the mind, so to speak. I've learned over the years how to duck and weave and bob the media who have, and I've, I've, I'm not always, I've not always ducked and weaved. Sometimes I've been hit slap, smack in the chops many times. And it, the pen is much mightier than the sword. And many times I've been dropped. But I get up. I do get back up. And, and that's because the number one thing, I have a goal and a mission and a purpose. And that's it. You, you've got to have a love for So several things. Love for yourself. Having a purpose. It's tricky. How can you love yourself when you feel... And that's the hardest thing, loving yourself. When you get that self-respect, and it's hard to love yourself if you've been beaten and bullied up your whole life and people have trod, trod on you. But if you can really learn to love yourself, something to something small, then that's the first step. It's the first step to getting that self-respect and realising this isn't all right. And you might not be able to overcome the adversary because there might be bigger. It might be David and Goliath. But Goliath did win. Uh, sorry, David did win. Got his slingshot. And I've been, I felt like David so many times. Um, and that's where you have to have faith. You keep getting trodden trodden on. And it's, it's horrendous. But I there's another thing where the faith, it might not happen. Goliath might come and squash you. But I also have faith. This this is this is different. My faith. I'm not a particularly religious person, but I believe in reincarnation. So I believe I'm eternal, and I believe I'm here to learn lessons, um, to advance to another level, or to repeat it. So guess what? I'm going to do my best because I believe that so much. If I believe that, I can affect the outcome. So I can be at peace. I can do my best to make peace with my transgressions, the bad things I've done in my life. And what, what have I done wrong? Where have I, and, and it all goes, I'm getting very hippie here, it goes law of attraction as well. What do you really want? What do you really want? You want peace, right? See, feel the peace right now, imagine it. And, but have you got real peace? Have you got real peace? This is where you have to start uncovering all those little stones in your closet of your mind. Yeah, I'm at peace. I'm happy. And you might have done something to somebody when you were a little boy. Uh, uh, when I was uh, about nine, ten years old, I, I beat a girl up at school. Um, and I hate, I, it haunts me. So I've gone back and I've uncovered that little closet. I'm not at peace. I might think I'm at peace, but how can I be at peace? I start to think of these memories where I was horrible to someone. You know, um, all those little things. You start uncovering those. And you start to be at peace with yourself and happy. And that's 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 me curing, curing my past karma. And then guess what? It, it, once you start to, it, well, for me, it's becoming at peace with myself. If I'm at peace, then I can move on to the next level. You know, otherwise, yeah. guess what? I believe so much, I'm going to go and repeat it again. So that's what I'm trying to do as much. That's getting very heavy. Um, learning yourself, being at peace with yourself. That's the one thing. But how can you be at peace when all this crap's happening to you? 
what have I done to deserve it? What have I done to have this um, person rape, beat me up, torture me, all these horrible things, call me names? Why is that happening to me? I'm I'm innocent. And that, yeah, I, I don't want to, I'm going to, I could get many people angry here, my beliefs in, in karma and reincarnation, but <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how can you say it's, it's just for somebody to suffer who hasn't got the ability to defend themselves? You know, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not just, it's not just, but they, they're not aware. Um, the only thing I can say is if they if they leave this life hopefully the next life they'll have some understanding although I believe when you're born into the next life you forget everything you forget everything because if you do but there's parts of you which are ingrained into your soul into your blueprint to re to reprogram to relearn so you can get past that next hurdle so look maybe you you're a baby and you you would you you end up something horrendous happens and i i hope that doesn't happen to anyone that's but it does have every day children are born the most horrible things and it's not fair it's not sad i've had so many arguments with my family over these beliefs um and it's, it's horrendous and that baby is no longer but in the next life which i believe we're eternal the next life they have some lessons some learnings to be able to appreciate something that went on in a previous life even though they forget i said they forget it all there's a blueprint in your soul dna which will learn you and every now and again this is getting heavy we get moments of enlightenment every now and again you get oh shit that's that's the meaning of life in the universe we all get that we all get and then you forget it again or you get we'll get deja vu oh, i've been here before you get a gut feeling you get you go into a room and you you meet someone you get an instant dislike to them or you like them or you love them what's all that that's your dna that's your past blueprint i've, I've done a lot of looking at lots of religions i'm not religious at all but i'm fascinated by the wisdoms of things like kabbalah sufism pagans rich doctors i'm absolutely fascinated i'm a, a druid myself and i'm just fascinated How, why are we here what are we here what's the purpose of this life and we'll stem to bullying. Learn a martial art and love yourself. There you go. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Alex, thank right. you so much for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Please, everyone, check out Sensation, which is on Amazon Prime on the 16th of April. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I've had a blast. Hopefully you've had a good time. I have. It's fun. Thank Cheers, you very bro. much. And that was Mr. Alex Reed, And before that, Professor Elemental. And prior to that, we're Nicola with your big question of the week. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. What a wonderful show. We had a great time. Thank you very much to the prof for all those great tunes. Just had such a blast tonight. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, very special interviews coming up for next week. Uh, more details to come. Please follow the Dr. Squee Show social media for more details. That's on uh, Twitter at Dr. Squee. Also on Instagram at Dr. Squee. If you go to Facebook, it's the Dr. Squeeze Show, and we're on the YouTubes and the Twitch. Uh, just check us out online. So thank you very much for joining us tonight. I've been Dr. Squeeze, that was my show, and remember guys, in a world where you can be anything, please, be kind. I'm not trying to win. I'm not doing this because I want to beat someone, because I hate someone, or because 
because I want to blame someone? It's not because it's fun. God knows it's not because it's easy. It's not even because it works, because it hardly ever does. I do what I do because it's right, because it's decent, and above all, it's kind. It's just that, just kind. Hey, you know, maybe there's no point in any of this at all, but it's the best I can do. Why not? Just at the end, just be kind.